are reading from John 1, 9 through 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Throughout the season of Advent, we lit one candle each week, representing the growing anticipation and expectation for the coming of Christ. Tonight, however, we light the final candle with joyful hearts. We celebrate and remember the words of John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ is born. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate tonight that the light of the world has broken in. Because of Christmas, we have an enduring joy and living hope to face the days ahead. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, tonight we celebrate the fact that you came to save us. As a year 2020 draws near its end, we realize that our world is weary. We are weary and need your strength. Would you refresh us, encourage us tonight as we worship you with joyful hearts? Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to FBC Online. I'm so glad that you are with us here for, I think, our, our first online Christmas Eve experience. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say I'm so glad that you're with us tonight. Uh, before we go any further and get into the Word, I just wanted to highlight this giving opportunity that we've had in the month of December. Uh, every year as we close out the year, we try to think as a church, how can we be uh, generous beyond our walls and go and love our neighbors? And so uh, last year we did some special stuff uh, across the globe in Togo. And this year we said, hey, what can we do locally? What can we do here to love our neighbors? And so we talked with some of our missions partners, and we found a need with the Christian Help Center. Uh, you've heard we've been talking about the Christian Help Center the past uh, couple weeks as we've tried to raise money for a new washer and dryer for the Christian Help Center. That's a ministry that we've partnered with for some years now in Vallejo that works with uh, the homeless population there, helping people uh, have shelter and food and clothing and be able to do their laundry. It provides uh, support services for individuals and families to get back on their feet and become self-sufficient. And so they said, hey, we always just kind of get hand-me-down washer and dryers, older ones that people don't need anymore. Uh, we could really use a new like industrial strength washer and dryer. And so as a church, we said, hey, 
uh, let's help you out there. This is a great way to love our neighbors. And so we wanted to raise $6,000 this month in order to buy that for them as a gift. And you know what? We've been collecting money and we are almost there. You have already donated uh, $5,800. Okay, $5,800. So we're almost there. And I know a few more of you still plan to give. And so it looks like, friends, we are going to, to hit that goal and be able to provide this for them. And I just want to say I'm so impressed. Uh, all, I'm always encouraged by your generosity. I think that's one of the hallmarks of this church, that you are a giving people, willing to uh, help out those in need. Whenever there's a, a vision put before you, a rallying call, you respond. And so we're just celebrating tonight that as a church family, we're going to be able to, to give that gift and love our neighbors and be a blessing to the Christian Help Center and all the people that they serve there in Vallejo. Uh, with that, if you still want to give that little portion that we still need, uh, in the top right of your corner, you'll see a little giving link where you can do online giving and just select the uh, CHC end of year gift option. Uh, with that, hey, let's pray together as we get ready to jump into the word. Lord Jesus, we come to celebrate you this Christmas night and remember uh, your birth and celebrate the fact that you came to us. You came to rescue us. You came to save us. And so uh, with joyful hearts, we come to sing and to pray and to uh, look to you together as a church family. We love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, that Christmas carol, Oh Holy Night, that we sang together just a few minutes ago has that great line, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. And I think that we can relate with the reality of a weary world as 2020 draws to a close. Maybe many of you are coming into tonight weary from the months behind us. You don't need me to go over all the details of the challenges that 2020 held. We all know them fairly well. And yet, here at the end of the year, we sing, the weary world rejoices. Christmas uh, bursts onto the scene with this invitation to celebrate, this invitation to rejoice. But I think that sometimes we forget the reason we celebrate. We forget the reason we are to rejoice and what Christmas is all about. This week online, I came across this little post by a man who grew up in a Muslim family and didn't grow up celebrating Christmas, but this year he was unable to travel home, and so his Christian roommates uh, invited him to celebrate Christmas with them for the very first time. And he chronicled his observations of what Christmas was about. I want you to see some of these. He said, observation number one, Christmas is a part-time job that you have from mid-November to the end of December. From the outside looking in, Christmas always seemed pretty simple. I always thought you put up a tree and then gave gifts to family. This is a lie. Do you want to sleep in on a Saturday? Too bad. Go put up some lights inside the house. Oh, you want to sleep in on Sunday? Too bad. Go put up some lights outside the house. Next weekend? Nope. Every free moment you have will be spent agonizing over the gifts you must buy. He goes on, observation number three, he says, you can buy yourself a gift, but you can't stuff your own stocking. I don't understand this one, but I told my roommate I bought stuff for my stocking, and they said that's not a thing. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? 
Observation number four, your gift budget does not matter. You can set this budget as high as you want, but the perfect gift will always be $10 too expensive. There's no winning, just give up. It's true, right? He goes on and says several others, but sadly, one of his observations towards the end is observation number seven. He says, the religious aspect of Christmas is optional. So what do you notice with that? With all of his observations, he points to Christmas, and as an outsider, or maybe many of us feel this way as those who celebrate Christmas every year, there's lots of activity around Christmas. Lots to do. It's a festive time. There's joy, there's celebration, there's generosity, but maybe we're not always sure what's at the heart of it. We always remember why. Why do we rejoice? What's this really all about? I think one of the clearest pictures or clearest answers we get from Scripture about what Christmas is all about is the beginning of the Gospel of John. And so I want to invite you to turn there now to John chapter 1, where we're going to look at just a couple of verses that tell us what this is really all about. John 1, verse 14, famously says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So earlier in John chapter 1, it begins by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, this is the Apostle uh, John, or the author, John's way of saying and speaking about the Son of God, the Word. He was in the beginning, and He was God. And he says what? That the Word became flesh. This eternal Son of God became human and was born into our world that first Christmas. God Himself moved into the neighborhood. And there's so much we could explore in the opening chapter of John, but what I want to do is is zoom in on verses 12 and 13, which really highlights what this all means for us. See, John 1, 1 through 18 forms what's known as a chiasm. A chiasm is a literary device, a a literary tool that ancient authors would sort of use as a a highlighter, uh, used as a, a way to point out the most important part of the whole discourse. It was a series of ideas that would be presented, and in the writing, whatever came in the center, at the middle of that sandwich, was the focus. That would be where the emphasis of the chiasm landed. Now, I know that that's what you came to Christmas Eve service to hear, right? You're like, I really hope when we go to church tonight that the pastor talks about a chiasm. I hope he brings up Uh, ancient Greek grammar and Greek literary tools. But stay with me here, okay? Stay stay with me because if nothing else, again, you can use this to sound smart at the next dinner party whenever we're allowed to have those again and say, did you know that John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 is a chiasm and at the center of that chiasm verses 12 and 13? But here's my point, okay? All of verses 1 through 18 is a big chiasm and 12 and 13 is at the very center of it, meaning that's what uh, the, the focus, the emphasis of this whole big long section about Jesus is all about. And what do those verses say? It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. What does it say? It says Jesus came, he was born that first 
Christmas, the Word became flesh, and to all who did receive Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So a weary world can rejoice tonight because Christmas reminds us that all who believe in Jesus are considered children of God, brought into the family of God with now the right, the privilege to call God Himself our Father. This is the language of adoption. And friends, this is more than just some simple truth that sounds nice that you can put on a Hallmark card like at Christmas we're reminded that you can be a child of God. Sounds great. But there's more to this. In the ancient world, your identity, your vocation, your your future, your inheritance, all was, was bound up in who your father was. Okay, so who your father is is a big deal. And spiritually speaking, if you weren't a child of God, you were a spiritual orphan. And orphans in the ancient world were incredibly vulnerable, at risk, taken advantage of without an inheritance, without a father or parents to protect them. And we can even look at this reality today, the tragedy of fatherlessness, and see all all kinds of statistics and research over the years that shows kids growing up without a father face higher rates of abuse and and poverty and likelihood to commit crime and face teen pregnancy and all these uh, challenges and social difficulties. And so in the ancient world and today, having a father matters. It's a big deal who you belong to. Think then, in light of that, how revolutionary, how powerful it would be to read John 1, 12 through 13, that through Jesus, you have the right to become a child of God. Through Jesus, you have the privilege of calling God, God Almighty, the living God, the Creator God Himself, your Father. This is why a weary world can rejoice at Christmas. And C.S. Lewis famously put it this way, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Now, you might be hearing this and wondering, well, why did Jesus need to come in order for me to be considered a child of God? I mean, aren't we all considered children of God already? Well, yes and no. I mean, in one sense, yes, we're all created by God and loved by God, and we all bear the image of God. That's true. But because of our sin, the Bible describes our condition as really spiritual orphans. We're like that famous brother in Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal son, the son who runs away from home and tells his father he wants nothing to do with him. He wants his money. And so he goes off into a far off land and spends all his money and finds himself in a terrible mess, hungry and lost. See, the Bible gives us that picture. That's what we've all done. We didn't love our father And instead, we left home, we rebelled, we ran away. Rather than doing things the way our father wanted, we said, you know, we're going to be in charge here. I want to do things my way. And so we set up our own rules. And you know, in that story, 
the older brother, we know there's two brothers in that story, right? The older brother who stays home, we know he's, he's a punk, right? He's self-righteous. He's bitter. He doesn't love his brother or his father. And what he should have done, as we've talked about before, that older brother who stayed home, he should have gone after his younger brother. He said, you're lost. You've strayed. He should have brought him home. But he doesn't. But we know that in Jesus, we have the older brother that we needed. We have the older brother who, who came to us, who left home in the comforts of heaven, was born in human likeness, and came to save us. He was born that first Christmas, sent by the Father, come from heaven to seek and save the lost. He came down, light shining in the darkness to, to bring us home. And so at Christmas, we celebrate that we have a Savior, not only who was born for us, but who died for us. He went to the cross, bearing our sins and our shame, so that we could be forgiven, redeemed, and brought back into the family of God. He allows us to come home through his work. And see, friends, that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel and putting your faith in Jesus is not just some cold, uh, legal transaction where, hey, you put your faith in Jesus and your sins are forgiven and you're pardoned and you're free to go. See you later. I mean, that's part of it, but do you see how much depth there is in this reality? It goes way beyond just some legal standing we have before a holy God. It certainly is that. But even more than that, the gospel and the work of Jesus establishes this personal relationship that we can have with God, that we can call him our father, that we become his children. So friend, I want you to know tonight that you are so loved by your father. You are so loved. He cherishes you. You bring him joy. And the text tells us this is for all what, verse 12, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So to those who believe. So this gift of Christmas, this gift of salvation is, is not something we earn. It's not something we work for. It's given to those who receive Jesus, who repent and put their trust in him. It's also not something verse 13 says. It's not something that we're, we're born into, right? Well, I have, a, I have a Christian family. My parents went to church, so I'm, I'm good, right? No, verse 13, children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, it's not about uh, your natural descent, your family, who your parents were, something you're born into. It's to be received by faith. And so I hope Friends, you can see the true reason for Christmas, that a weary, weary world can rejoice because through Jesus we have a Father in heaven who cares for us and who hears us. Author Russell Moore, this public author and theologian, has written extensively about his own family's journey and how they've adopted two boys, two sons from Russia many years ago, and he tells a story of how they went overseas to Russia to an orphanage uh, to bring their boys home. And he says that, that one of the hardest and most tragic realities of that whole trip and the whole experience was going to this orphanage and hearing the silence. 
He went to this orphanage, this place with rooms and rooms full of babies. You would think it would be a pretty noisy place, right? But he says, no, it was eerie. It was quieter than any library he'd ever been in. Why? He said, the babies there had been there long enough to know that their cries were not heard. The babies there had been there long enough to know that their cries were not heard. And so they just stopped trying. Now, if we stop long enough to consider that reality, it'll, it'll break our hearts and probably ruin the rest of our night. But I mention it, I bring it up, because I think that's a picture sometimes of how we have become in our spiritual lives, where we don't cry out to our Father. We don't cry out because we think that we won't be heard. We think that no one's listening, and so we simply stop trying. But I want you to know this Christmas that through Jesus, you can become a child of God, and that if that is true of you, you have a Father who hears you, who cares for you, who loves you, and who will respond to you. And Russell Moore goes on as he shares this story. He says, he knew that a relationship was growing and building with his new sons because they brought them home and they started to cry. They would cry when he left the room. And so he knew that a bond was forming. His sons were learning that they would be heard. And so, friends, your father wants to hear your cries. And you know, for me personally, the past few months have been it's really stressful for our family. Some of you know that we've been foster parents and our foster son, Daniel, he just went back to live with his mom, which, which is great. But for a while now, it was really challenging because our son, Shepard, was about to be born and Daniel, our foster son, was about to leave. And all the while, COVID was going on and we were passing Daniel back and forth and all these visits with his mom and his dad and his, his grandma. And so we were just, we were just stressed. We're like a new baby's going to be in the house and Daniel's going out collecting all these germs and coming back into our house when we're not supposed to be seeing people. We can't really stop it because we're doing all these visits. And Lord, it's, how are we going to get through this? And it was really a difficult time. And I remember on one of those really difficult nights, praying about it, thinking about it, I just remember God saying to me, Matt, you're acting like someone who doesn't have a father. You're acting like an orphan. Like there's no one looking out for you. Why don't you respond and act like you have a Father in heaven who cares for you, who knows your needs, who's walking with you through this, who is good and is for you? I was like, well, you're right. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe some of us are here tonight and, and you need to hear that with all the craziness going on in 2020 and Christmas and, and what the future holds, maybe it's uncertain for you. The encouragement is don't act like you don't have a father. Rejoice that because of Jesus, you're a child of God with an inheritance and a future. And it's not a promise that everything's going to work out perfectly in your circumstances, but his hand is on your life no matter what comes. And you can trust him. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I invite you to do so tonight. Friends, as we prepare to close our service, we have an opportunity to do a, a special song. Every year we close out our Christmas Eve service by a, doing a candle-lit song. Tonight we lit the final Advent candle, often called the Christ candle, which symbolizes what the wait is over. Jesus has come. The light of the world is here. 
But again, I love this opportunity to light candles together because it reminds us that the light of the world, the light of Christ, doesn't just stay confined up on stage or on some video screen. It, it bursts into our lives and into our homes. So how much... Uh, how special is it this year that rather than just being in a room full of we know that throughout Benicia and Vallejo and beyond, wherever you're watching, there's candles lit. The light of Christ is spreading into our homes and into our world. And so now's the time I want to encourage you to grab that candle, if you don't have it with you, uh, the candle we mentioned earlier in the service to have ready, and light a candle with us. And there's something extra uh, special we want to invite you to as well. Uh, in the chat box there, there's going to be a Zoom link where if you want to click that right now, you can join us on Zoom. It's going to be muted, it's going to, so it's not going to be noisy. You can leave the audio running on this screen so that you hear the song as it plays, you can sing along. But on Zoom, we wanted to have people have an opportunity to have this visual representation of uh, the candles being lit. And so I want to invite you right now to, to light your candle, Hop over on Zoom and you'll be able to see all the different screens with all the different candles. Or maybe you just need a, a lighter you can hold up if you don't have a candle or the, the light on your phone you can hold up. And we'll see uh, all our friends with candles lit as we sing this last song to Jesus. Would you join us? 